Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover is on how the FMCG giant Hindustan Unilever has set itself up for the next decade. Joining me on the call to talk about it is Forbes India's cover story author Samar Srivastava. Hi Samar, thanks for joining in. Thank you for having me Abhishek. Thanks. Uh, Samar, you've uh, met uh, Sanjeev Mehta, HUL's boss, several times. What strikes you the most about uh, Mr. Mehta and his way of doing business? Uh, generally, HUL bosses are quite celebrated names and they have a stamp of their own way of doing things on the company. So how does Mr. Mehta come off? Well, he comes across as somebody who's always looking at where his next bit of growth is going to come from. And in that sense, he's managed to take a company that uh, is very large, is like several times larger than some of his smaller peers and still keep it growing at the same growth rate. So if the industry is growing at 9, 10, 11%, HR is growing at the same pace, which is pretty commendable because what happens is once a company grows to a certain size, growth becomes that much harder to come by. And at least so far that hasn't been a challenge. His peers also see him as someone who is known for his next big idea and at the same time not uh, keeping uh, or rather at the same time while keeping an eye on the quarter on quarter numbers so tell us more about it i think as somebody once told me many years ago for in any job you will have the interesting bit and then you'll have the day-to-day bit but to get to the interesting bit you have to do the day-to-day bit well you can't say i will not go to the day-to-day bit and only do the interesting bit. so in that sense you know there is like that day-to-day thing where you've got to keep the sales engine ticking and they've got so many our products have got so many segments, they've got so many geographies they're active in. And so, you know, that day-to-day engine has to be kept ticking. So you can't sort of get your eye off the day-to-day engine. But you also sort of need to plan strategically as to how the market is changing, how the consumer is changing, and, you know, how are you going to sort of retain your preeminent position there? So while the day-to-day engine keeps ticking and, you know, for a company like HUL, I'm sure that's like a well-oiled machine and <clears throat> you don't really have to spend much time there except to make sure that it, it keeps ticking. But it's the longer term bit where, you know, so they've now got a situation where with retail becoming more and more organized, you are going to see larger retail chains get a larger, get a larger share of the pie and in time, being able to tell companies that look we're getting you so much business so you better part with more margin to us so you better give us better terms of trade so that's one he's sort of fighting to make sure that HUL doesn't lose its relevance there and how is he doing that they're sort of taking more control of distribution which means that earlier they used to have distributors and used to leave it to them to service these small mom and pop stores now they're saying that no we're going to do it ourselves so you have much better market intelligence you get a sense whether demand is spiking, demand is slowing, what the retailer is thinking, what the customer is telling him. I mean, you, you just have much better market intelligence. And they're sort of in, in the Chennai market, they've now decided to, to distribute directly. The, re, the, the distributor just takes the orders and provides credit, like a 15-day credit. The second bit that they're, they're doing is that they're getting into the uh, direct-to-consumer space. The consumer of tomorrow wants uh, products that are far more personalized. And you know these companies are built on making like 10,000 tons of this of Excel. And now to think that, oh, can I make a product of five kilograms or 50 kilograms only? And then, you know, make a small batch with a particular perfume and then make another batch with another perfume. And, you know, the customer sort of wants things like that. And it, it, it doesn't make sense to sort of distribute that nationally or distribute that 
through your typical distributor network. And so you just go direct to the consumer. You have a website, the consumer orders, you ship the next to him. They're, they're making small steps in order to sort of get into that market. Although these are uh, small steps, but would that still be in the context of HUL because of the size itself, a pretty big switch in their conventional a logistics model or how they would get to the consumer. For example, I also read that there won't be any minimum order quantity for a Kirana to order directly from an HUL warehouse, even if it's, let's say, a, a small toothpaste. Right. No, so it is a shift in the sense that earlier what would happen is that if if the retailer is too small or if he's not ordering frequently enough or, or if he's not ordering the kind of things that the distributor stocks, then the distributor might end up ignoring but now, like the company is saying that, look, you order as little as you like, and we will still service you. And, and that's a shift because what happens is that as the as the number of products, the number of you know the number of SKUs has grown, not every distributor can stock everything to the quantity desired. And so, if the company is saying that we will make sure we ship to you, no matter how little the order is, it is a big step. I mean, what they're trying to say is that no sale is too small to lose out on. It's not. A big challenge for the company because they will load the order onto boxes and send it onto small vans that will sort of service that area. And so the van just has to stop and supply the order. So it's not such a big deal for the company. But what they're saying is that no order is too small to. Uh, you also uh, talk about the changing landscape in that uh, now they have competition from the smaller uh, D2C brands. Maybe Mama Earth is one and uh, there are a bunch of others. Uh, uh, how is HUL viewing that? It, does it even consider them to be a challenger or uh, a market that they should get an eye on or they are too big to you know, even consider them as rivals? So HUL stop line is 50,000 crore and Mama Earth, for example, is 1,000 crore. So obviously there is, there is no comparison. But the mindset is important because what HUL is saying is that, look, we want to play in this market as well. And we don't want to lose out on, on uh, the D2C channels, even though the, the size today may be small. So what somebody was telling me is that HUL aims to do 100, 100 crores worth every month of D2C business. And we don't know whether they're doing that because they don't break it out. But essentially what they're saying is that, sure, this market is small, but it's growing rapidly. And it could be an important market in the future. So let's let's take some baby steps here. Let's see how it works out. And then we'll take it. There appears to be more thrust on data and analytics. Would that be right? Obviously, data has been very important for any FMCG out- outfit for decades now. But now with mobile apps where I think Shikhar app is what I read, where some 800,000 retailers order online. And uh, the fact that uh, HUL is willing to part with even uh, a tube of uh, toothpaste is mainly to get data, which is invaluable. So how is that coming along? How, how important is that to the fray? I think in 2015, HUL set upon this journey to sort of make sure that all the data that they collect is put in a manner that is accessible throughout the company because the sales team might have some data, the marketing team might have some data, the consumer research team might have some data. But how do you put that data in a manner that is accessible to everyone in the company? That was the first challenge that they had and they worked on that. Then how do you how do you mine that data to draw insights from the business which which nobody else has or which only the data can give you? But that is particularly challenging because you know let's say you look at uh, at South Bombay for example and what consumers are buying over here. And you know you might see that they're not buying enough of hair oil. Okay, so then why are they not buying enough of hair oil? Okay, has this market moved away from hair oil, et cetera, et cetera. But how do you arrive at a conclusion with regard to the cause and effect? You might reach a conclusion, but how do you know it's because of a certain data point? 
now they've had enough number of years to use the same data sets again and again and so if you're getting the same conclusion four or five times then you know what's because of this data set okay so if you know that there are enough you know uh, pipe water connections in a certain district okay and because all pipe water is reached so these consumers are now moving to washing their utensils with with liquid soap for example just to give you an example so now if you use this data set again and again over x number of districts that now have pipe water you can then draw causality so now they reach a stage where you know they use the data sets often enough and they can say that okay this is the data point we have and so if this district behave like this it's possible that these 10 districts will also behave in a similar manner and so let's tailor our marketing techniques uh, accordingly the person who looks after this business was saying that they've got a 2% annual increase in sales as a result of which for a 50000 crore top end company is huge right which is attributable directly to insights yeah. that the data offer correct, correct. among the things that have changed in the recent past is uh, you write that even the product development cycle has come down significantly from 6 months to was it 70 to 80 days which is a pretty uh, decent uh, you know pairing down so that's a conscious decision they've taken to get the amount of time it takes to develop products down because you need to get these products out to consumers quickly so while earlier it would take something like uh, 6 to 12 months they now have a target to get it down to 100 days that's like a very conscious and and the last one uh, summer is where does uh, hul go from here in that the focus is was not only on the top line but also margins which it has indeed been able to you know squeeze out in this price competitive industry mm-hmm. now that they've got it what's the next big idea that uh, uh, mr mehta is working on or how does he want this company to shape up in the coming few years my sense is that it's more of the same in the sense that make sure the growth engine keeps ticking make sure that margins uh, keep rising but at a much slower pace because there's only so much that so much of margin expansion that you can do uh, to make sure that you know if there are any product categories of the future if there are any sort of product uh, sorry distribution innovations or things like that that the company sort of exploits that fully but uh, my sense is that the, the company is in a good place and uh, they just just they just need to focus on what they've been doing in order to keep 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 going rapidly there's no major pivot that they need to even to keep the momentum going for a juggernaut the size of hul itself is a big deal is is what yes. i understand yeah. thank you very much summer for your time on this podcast and for a lovely cover thanks again you're welcome Thank you and all you listeners you can get this podcast on forbesindia.com spotify stitcher apple google podcasts or any other app that you use to download this content and to have someone call you for a forbes india subscription message forbes to 51818